0: Hi guys. So for a while now, the UK has been quite unfavorable for immigrants. And then most people are exploring opportunities in other countries. And there are so many nurses in the UK that are currently moving from the UK to Australia and then the US and New Zealand and Canada. And um, today I have done the work. I have brought you an Australian immigration lawyer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who's going to talk about all the opportunities in Australia how to relocate to Australia the right way, the benefits, what we have to know if you intend to migrate to Australia. So I have here Rhea for Rhea Fawole. <laughs> I'm so happy. Thank you so much for honoring my invitation and for coming here, guys.
1: Hi, I'm Rhea Favole, CEO and founder of Solby Migration, providing simple solutions for Australian migration if you want to work, study or even just a vacay in Australia then you've come to the right place for expert tips on how to stop the confusion and choose the right pathway for a holiday, student visa or permanent residency in Australia. Join me on making Australian migration easy. As we say in Australia, no worries mate.
0: So Ria, would you just briefly introduce yourself and tell us what you do, who you are, just briefly and then we'll, you know, go into detail.
1: Yes, thank you so much for inviting me and Ella. It's, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to come and speak to your wonderful listeners who are interested in finding out about moving to the land down under. So um, my name is Rhea Walling, and I'm actually the principal lawyer. I run an immigration law firm in Australia called Solvi Migration. The way that I came into this was I actually worked in the Australian Immigration Department for 12 years. So I actually worked in visa compliance. I worked in the policy program management and that's where I trained as a lawyer and then worked in the legal team, training the visa decision makers, and then also worked in the immigration minister's office. So let's just say I had a little bit of experience on the other side before deciding. I think, look, it is a truly complicated process from the way out. I know a lot of people will look to blogs and other things and I thought, how that I set up a firm and use that knowledge to help people with migrating the right way. So that's sort of the background about me and, and how I came to set up Solving Migration. Um, and I have a bit of a special interest in nurses. So I was delighted when I received your invitation. We're focusing on that because interestingly registered nurses are number one on the skill shortage list in Australia. So, so many opportunities, a really good time. And another fun fact is that your visa applications are prioritized So all healthcare professionals get prioritized visa applications. So, that's a little bit about me and why I'm here.
0: Wow, that's a lot. Wow, I didn't even know all that prior to you <laughs> and you. Wow, I think there's no better person to talk about this than you. I am so honored to have you here, honestly. Wow. Most of my audience or most of my viewers are nurses, but we do have other healthcare professionals also that watch my videos like doctors and medical laboratory scientists, nurse assistants and social workers and the like. Okay, but majority are nurses because I am a nurse myself. And yes, and so what are the routes for nurses and other healthcare professionals to migrate to Australia? You mentioned that nurses are priority on the list of the shortage occupation in Australia, but what about the other healthcare professions? Are they also needed or is it just nurses?
1: Look, they're absolutely needed in Australia, but when I was saying the migration is complicated, so we have these things called ANSCO codes. So it's like an Australia, New Zealand occupation code. And each of those different codes, the government has decided which visas are eligible. So we need to kind of assess uh, for people, okay, which occupation code do you have? And interestingly for nurses, there's uh, somewhere around 15 different codes just for registered nurses. So there's different visas depending on which one. So this is where I guess... I I give myself a little credit for being able to position my clients with the best information so that they know which the best occupation is to go down. When it comes to healthcare professionals, with that in mind, a lot of questions I also get are from nurse and care assistants. They are available for migration, but there's a few tips that I would probably have there. It's going to be different to registered nurses. Registered nurses and doctors we can look to pathways under what's called general skilled migration. So they can come through sponsored options or they can come through general skilled, which is a little more independent. They get nominated by the state or federal government. When it comes to care assistance, they need to be sponsored. So there are labor agreements in Australia. So they need to find someone who is an approved employer willing to sponsor them under those agreements there will be other processes that all of them go through as well, but those are kind of, uh, I guess, at a high level, the different options. Interestingly, Australia has 140 different visa subclasses, so there is a lot to navigate that people
0: don't realise. <laughs> wow! I don't think I exhaust all the options. Okay, but then probably we'll talk about the very common ones and then the ones that are more common or the be- better option for nurses or doctors to use, if that's okay. Yeah. Nurses and doctors, interestingly, is going to be a little different. So I'll probably focus on those a little separately. Okay. So then again, which visa option will be the best for nurses? I recall you said that even for nurses, that different occupation codes. Right. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it for, let's say, the different um types of nurses, let's say mental health nurse, general nurse, or what what, what makes the course different if you are all registered nurses? So it's more to do with the actual registration process and skills assessment.
1: So in order to become uh, a nurse to migrate to Australia, first of all, you need to be able to register with APRA. So APRA is the health regulatory body. All health practitioners will need to be able to register through there. The next step is to get your skills assessed by the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Accreditation Council, otherwise known as ANMAC. ANMAC are the ones who will be assessing your work experience against those different occupation codes. Okay. And this is where our legal expertise comes in, because I know for some nurses, they may have worked in different types of roles. So they may have been in mental health, then they may have been working as a surgical nurse. There's a range of different things. So we would be working to try and make sure that they're getting their skills assessed under the right occupation code. Okay. If we take the example of general skilled migration, it's based on points. So you want really good high points to make it attractive. get higher points we need to do things to make sure we get as much experience validated so we'll be carefully picking which occupation code so these kind of things can be a little bit tricky to navigate when people just sort of go through websites and they have a bit of a look and they look on forums it's it's not often that clear i will pivot a little bit and talk about doctors doctors have an interesting pathway so they do need to register with apra that registration acts as the skills assessment, because in order to register as a doctor, in Australia, you're going to have to go through a lot more competencies and supervision before you're eligible. So it's a bit different. Whereas a nurse, for example, a lot of the nurses I'm working with, it's general skilled migration because I can assist them in getting a nomination either by the state or the federal government. And that means they're not tied to an employer. So when you talk about options that are attractive, A lot of people like this, particularly going to the UK, will have a lot of, you know, my brothers and sisters from African countries, from India, Nepal, so on. They go to the UK, they get stuck on temporary visas, they're tied to a contract, they can't bring their family with them. Coming to Australia, what I love is the general skilled migration pathway because I can help my clients navigate all of that and they can come to Australia as a permanent resident and bring their family with them. So that's, that's what I is my personal preference. I can also assist also with sponsored visas. If you have a sponsored visa, you can potentially be sponsored for permanent residency, but you are tied to that employer for two years. So
0: it doesn't have the same level of independence as the other process. Wow. What <laughs> I like about Australian immigration is the fact that there's an option where you can actually get permanent residency from, from day one. Because Ria, I have been in the UK for five years and I just recently got my permanent residency. Oh well congratulations. But that's a long <laughs> time. That is that's a long time. No <laughs> such a long time. So <laughs> I really like the fact that in Australia you can actually do get that, you know, from, from the very beginning. And and so what about the nurse assistants? Is there an option for them as well? The care assistants? Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Uh, absolutely. The difficulty is because it needs to be sponsored under a labor agreement. So this is where, I guess, my government policy hat came in. As I mentioned earlier, I did work in Australian government for 20 years. We're we're currently coming towards the end of 2023. Next year, Australia is having an election. As everyone will be familiar, immigration becomes one of those things that political parties kind of posture with. And so there is a lot of focus. There's another new migration strategy that's been released. With the current government that we have is the labour government. So labour uh, has a lot of union support. So when it came to care assistance, the labour agreements that they set up are actually tied to a union. And there is some resistance in the aged care sector for employers to need to sign on with a union in order to be able to sponsor workers. So there's been a little bit of a tension there. So it is available, but i I am finding it's hard to find people who are willing to sponsor, um, particularly for say nursing assistants and care assistants who haven't yet had the opportunity to work for them. So those who maybe came to Australia and, and studied aged care or something while they were here, they could have been working casually in the meantime. So the employers had a chance to get to know them, love them. They want to sponsor them. They are prepared to do that. I am finding for for clients there is a bit of resistance for people they haven't met whereas uh for nurses and doctors and so on there is such a shortage there it is a lot easier um in that regard
0: okay what about nurses and doctors who are in let's say africa or asia would you say it's easier for those in the uk to migrate to australia or to find sponsors than those that are coming from africa or asia It's more to do with the actual uh, assessment and
1: registration processes that makes it easier. So nurses and doctors who have gone to the UK first have done things like OSCE uh, or they may have done NCLEX if they've they've gone over to Ireland or to uh, US, Canada, uh, which is one of the kind of benchmark exams. They would have also done something like the IELTS or the OET or the PTE tests. So the English test, our levels have also been validated. The There is something, though, that all nurses and doctors have to face. Australia's English level is a little bit higher. You need to have, if we look at uh, the OET, you need to get a B all over. Okay. If you're looking at IELTS, you need to have 7.0 in every one of the four. Okay. Uh, whereas I know uh, for for others it's a it's a little bit lower. So Australia does have that that higher benchmark, and it doesn't matter even
0: if you have been educated in an English speaking country, it's still going to be there. <laughs> I see. So you've mentioned like the requirements. You've mentioned the English exam, and what other requirements do health professionals have to meet in order to be able to migrate to Australia, aside maybe experience and proving their proficient in english what 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 do i think yeah look in terms of i'll I'll turn to the legal consultations
1: that that i do with clients because often they'll go well i've got a degree from x country it is actually more detailed and complicated than that so as a migration professional i have a subscription to the education department database they look at every single institution around the world. So it's not just the country, it's the specific wow. institution. And some clients might say, you know, I've, I've done my degree in Nigeria. That degree may only be equate to a certificate level. And then in other cases, the degree may be equivalent to a bachelor's or higher. It really depends on the specific institution. Wow. So we can't necessarily just kind of look at something and go, here's a degree, it equals that. We need to actually assess the qualification, first of all. Then obviously the registration requirements. So meeting those registration requirements. You are asking about people who haven't been to the UK. I have some good news because I talk a lot also with the New Zealand Nursing Council. Mm-hmm. So people may be aware that they were changing their registration processes for nurses. So I have a a little bit of a hot tip. It's actually going to be more straightforward. Okay. So the, the requirements have gone from 2000 hours to 1800 hours. And there is now an OSCE exam that nurses who haven't, for example, gone to the UK, they can go through the process, they travel to New Zealand to do the OSCE exam there, and they can get their registration. They just need to have the bachelor's from their home country and have met the work experience requirements. Wow. So it's 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 now opening uh,
0: doors to to others as well, which I was very excited to talk to them about. Wow! And where can people find you? Um, if you can leave your email. For us as well, so that people can easily reach you if they have any questions that I maybe mean, yeah, I'm not able to ask today, or your social media handles, or any other. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you can reach us at hello at Uh
1: but we also have our website, which is solby.com.au uh and I have handles which are also solby migration. So that's that's who we are. But I'm happy to share that for your show notes as well. But of course we yeah we're we're available across most of the social channels. Um and you can also find me on a podcast that I host which is called oh. Making Australian Migration Easy. Oh, so okay. yeah lots of places where people can get more information because I know it can be a bit of a minefield to navigate uh, the good news is it's wonderful once you get here yeah. and you know i'm congratulations on getting your permanent residency but Australia here as well you know we have more vitamin d
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think about it. one of my friends just recently moved on a content creator friend i think you've interviewed her already and that's you. Yes, yes. yes. I got to meet her. She came to
1: Sydney and I happened to be at a migration conference at the same time. So it was lovely to meet
0: her. Yeah. Okay. So usually those that are sponsored by, let's say an employer, or an, or, uh, so will be tied to an employer for, let's say two years, usually after the two years, do they get permanent residency immediately or what is it like? So it's, um again, confusing for people. I've realized that our, our
1: system can be quite confusing. So you arrive and you are a permanent resident if you are on what they call a subclass 186 visa. So that's Deo's visa that she has come on and you still though have a sponsorship requirement. And the reason that they did that is because they didn't want people going, yeah, thank you for the sponsorship. I'm a permanent resident. See you later. And they never show up to do the the job. So that's why they've tied that period. So, you have the benefits of permanent residency, which means, for example, uh, if you wanted to study or you've got your your children coming with you as well, um, they will be able to go in the Australian schooling system without needing to pay for international student fees. You will be able to sign up for Medicare benefits and all of those other types of things that Australia has. So you do get those benefits immediately. Um, it's just that you are tied to an employer. And if you have issues with your employment contract, uh, that type of thing. That's where sometimes it it can be a little bit tricky. Um, But again, I help a lot of nurses with this process and the benefit of coming to have professional assistance is that we would be reviewing the employment contracts and making sure that they're doing the right thing, making sure that they've got the correct skills assessment and everything for you so there's not issues with your process and you're protected. And if you do find that you come here and there are issues with the employer, then because you've engaged us, solving Migration is a law firm we can represent and we can actually extricate people from those sticky sponsorship situations so that they're not
0: tied anymore and their permanent residency is still safe. Wow, that is really, really good because that does that, that's, that's happen sometimes. So, but knowing that you have somebody you know behind you, just in case, or should anything happen, I think that's really, really good. That's that's really good. So, guys, I will leave Ria's details in the description on the screen. You can reach out to her. Um, probably I'm not able to ask her every question that you guys have. I realized that there's not so much information about Australian immigration. And now I think I understand why, because it's very, very complicated. Because when you go on YouTube, there are lots of people talking about UK migration. Even people that just got here like a week ago now, their immigration um, is all of a sudden. But with Australia, it's not really like that. And another thing is for UK, we do have like a central hub or websites where you can get everything. And then well explained, that's the gov.uk website in australia do you have resources like that or websites like that where people can go and get the you know the very valid information straight from the government is it do you have resources like that look i wish the answer was yes (laughs) however
1: when it comes to the different types of visas you would go to the department of home affairs in australia their website but when you talk about that overall migration process there isn't one central area Because as I was saying, you're going to have to become a registered nurse. So for some nurses, depending on where they've done their qualification, I may assist them to register directly through APRA in Australia. For others, I would get them to register via New Zealand. And then through a mutual recognition scheme that we have with New Zealand, we can then get their registration in Australia. That is not on the immigration website to explain that that's what a nurse would have to do. And then the next step would be, going to the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Accreditation Council. So they are independent of government, but they are appointed by government to do these skills assessments. I find that they're very helpful. They've got some really good information on the website. The issue is, I guess, that technical understanding of how to get the right occupation code and to make sure that you're getting as much experience validated as possible. Um, That can be a little bit tricky to understand. And then when we're talking about the nomination process, if you're looking to get nominated by the state or federal government, that's another separate process to the actual visa process because you're actually asking one level of government to to nominate you. So it's, as I said, it's a bit of a minefield. It's it's not like there is one place that you could go as a nurse to go, here's all of those steps that I need to go through.
0: (laughs) Wow. So would you say that would be like the, the main challenge or difficulty with, with migration for Nessus to Australia, the fact that information is not like readily available? People will jump onto
1: blog sites or they will jump onto, you know, listen to other people that may not be professionals in it. I think it's really important that people do talk to others about it and understand, but then also get professional advice, because as I've explained, each case is going to be different. It can be the specific institution that you went to that can determine whether or not your qualification is going to meet the levels we need to look at other things like the English levels and the requirement for example if we were looking to assist a nursing assistant the IELTS requirements are not as high as it is for a nurse so understanding all of those different requirements um, definitely takes some guidance
0: yeah. So let's say I'm in As in Nigeria, I'm looking to migrate. I just watched this interview and I want you to assist me. I go on your website, maybe I put in my details. How much am I expected to pay for your services? So the first thing is to book a legal consultation, which is
1: currently at $330 and it's a 30 minute consultation. And what we do in that consultation, we get people to upload all of their documents. So we do the legal research before you come into that consultation that you've booked. So we've gone, like I said, and use those assessment tools to work out, okay, which ANSCO code is going to work for this person. Are their qualifications going to equate to the Australian standards? Are there going to be other requirements? So when they come into the consultation, we can give them that sort of overview of what different steps or things they're going to
0: need, what they're eligible for and how to
1: navigate their migration. Okay. So after
0: the consultation, um, are there other are further payments throughout the process? There would be other, I mean, if you need professional assistance, it is It is
1: complicated, it is long. So there, you're going to need to be prepared for a wonderful country, which has got, I'm sorry to say, better pay than the UK for nurses. <laughs> you're going to need to expect that there are going to be higher investments that you need to get ready for. But one of the things that I know that I do in my firm is to allow people to do it in payments. So they don't need to pay for everything up front. There'll certainly be charges for visa applications. There'll be registrations. You're going to need English tests, all of those types of things to factor in. And so this is when people always ask that golden question. They're like, but just tell me how much. It's like there there is no magical figure without doing a consultation. We don't even know what you're eligible for or if you're eligible. So we need to assess all of those things, including things like uh, your age, Uh,
0: Work experience levels as well as the qualifications. Okay. So with the amount you mentioned, is it US dollars or Australian dollars? Australian dollars. In dollars. Okay. And in the UK, for instance, if you're coming as a nurse at the moment, you qualify to bring your dependents and your children under the age of 18. I know that for um, US, it's um, your your partner or your spouse and your children under the age of 21. What What is it for Australia? Again,
1: another technical legal question. It may not sound like it, but it is. So absolutely, you can bring your partner and you can bring your children under the age of 18. Where children are over the age of 18, we'd need to look at the circumstances. So we Australia recognises, for example, a lot of people when they're studying, they're at university, they're still living with their parents. They're still financially dependent. Yeah. So. Commonly, what we would see is up to around the age of twenty-five, but there can be other circumstances. For example, some clients that I work with, they may have an adult child who may have more dependency needs. Um, they would still be counted
0: as as a dependent. So it, it does depend on the the circumstances. That, okay, that is really good. So Ria, what will be your final words for people that are looking to migrate to Australia? What Please we- come <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please do I- it. <laughs> particularly for those healthcare professionals. We need you. Australia needs you. Uh, and, you know, it is it is such a wonderful place. I, I love the work-life balance, as I was saying. Just having a consultation before I, I came to have a chat to you with a, a nurse who's going to be coming to Australia and uh, just having that vitamin D, the balance, the <laughs> you know. I, was, I was out at um, a function today out at uh, the
0: beach and uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. get... Yeah, do you want to visit yeah. I, I, I visit first and then yes. my problem is it's just too far you know and, mm-hmm. like, and the time difference like now it's like 10 a.m here and i guess it's what's the time uh, there yeah so it is 8 30 p.m you see okay wow so we should come those are your words. <laughs> Absolutely. please come we welcome you we're waiting for you <laughs>
1: And my- please Get the right advice. Come and talk to me first. I'll definitely help you. I mean, my team are keen to help people to do it the right way. Um, because I know there can be a lot of rumoring and a lot of, um, you know, in terms of the mindset for people because they want to do it. But like any human being, you just want the quick answers. If it was that simple and straightforward, then everyone would have just been able to do it. So you have to be a little bit patient and put in the work and effort. Like you yourself, you, you know the efforts that you put in to get your permanent residency. Uh, Deo as well, she put in a lot of effort to get to that point as well. So if you if you are determined and this is what you want, get the right advice, and we will get you the successful outcome.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Ria. God bless you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank All right. You. Thank you, Adira.
1: I hope you've enjoyed listening to Making Australian Migration Easy with me, your host, Rhea Favole. If you're ready to get started on your pathway to Australia, you can book a consultation on our website, solvimigration.com.au. That's solvimigration.com.au. If you've enjoyed the show and have learned a thing or two, please share, rate and review our podcast. Your feedback means the world to us as we try and let more people know the best way to study and work in Australia in a way that sets them up for long term success. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you later.